John, welcome to. I want to. I want to dispel. I saw a rumor today on the internet. A report. Some are calling it that the NFL season begins September 9th. That's time is true. a circle. Time is not a straight line. NFL season never ended, John. So it can't begin again. We're in the middle of it. Welcome. Yeah, it's uh, it's going well. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm very, very. I, I just can't say it enough. How happy I am that this uh, trade came to fruition. That it didn't just come out a story that a trade almost happened. That it actually happened. And I can't be happy enough that I have cool things to talk about. And just paying attention to pro days. You're like, oh, as someone who's been to a million pro days, thinks they're pretty stupid. I find them very interesting right now. So the pro day uniform, uh, you've tweeted about this. The jeans, like the Air Maxes or the cool shoes. The half zip. I mean, how would you describe the the pro day uniform? We're seeing a lot of it these I, days. I, I'd say for the run of the mill, you know, East, you know, SEC scout, maybe even college director, guy doing pretty well, right? 150k. I'd say that range, 150 to 200k. Nice pair of jeans, team issued shoes, or like the extra Nike money you get to buy your own shoes. Usually sneaky. The move is, and anyone knows this, you can look good doing this. T-shirt or dry fit, just shirt underneath, and then do like kind of a nice pullover. You can do team-issued pullover, but if you're in that 150, 200K range, you can do like the Pebble Beach pullover to look a little bit nicer. Mm. And uh, Belichick, I would say, is pretty consistently, he has his own dress code that usually does button-up, short sleeve tucked in. He's in his own little world. Um, Shanahan went with the Hunter Bishop Milan $59 High, you know, Phil Mickelson hat. Yeah, I think one thing you'll notice with the higher end guys, uh, coordinators, definitely head coaches and GMs that are well built, they might be going with the higher end, like a Lulu type pants. Uh, sometimes if the co- you know, like a Tomlin or whatever, just has on Steelers because why wouldn't you fucking wear a Steelers pullover? They're just badass. Kyle probably just you know something his wife kind of packed for him and has like a Lulu outfit type going, but it's always sneakers. It's always sneakers. And uh, and either Lulus or jeans. Yeah, I think the the average dude that listens to this show or watches this show, you know, you incorporate like there used to be a phrase that was very common back when like the entire country went to church on Sundays was your Sunday best. Yeah, you know, and now there's definitely you got your your loungewear. You know, now there's the work from home pant. Like everyone, you got to wear the Lulu. You might be working at home. You want to put on some pants, but you don't want to wear jeans around the house. Um, but I think pro, the pro day outfit is just your regular hitting the Home Depot on a Saturday. Like that is the pro day. That's the pro day outfit. And next time you leave your house, maybe DM us a photo if you're wearing the jeans, the sneakers. It's not what your wife would necessarily pick, or what you, if you're going yeah. on a date you would yeah, wear. Do you, yeah, do you know what it is though? But if like a couple of your boys are like, "Hey man, we're just at Sauce having some beers," it's easy to make the transition. All of That's a sudden, right. you're kind of lounging, ready to hang out. It's all or about the transition. Like, you got to go pick up your kids at Little League practice. You don't look sloppy. It's like, hey, hey, Bill's here. You know, what's up, James? Come well, that's on the, over. That's, <laughs> now, you tell me if I'm wrong, but part of the pro day is it'd be one thing if you were hopping in the car to hit another one afterwards. Maybe you'd go sweats. But these guys are all going to a steakhouse, potentially. I mean, in a normal year, right? You're meeting Alabama, up with people yeah, for drinks Alabama after games and that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
Yeah, I'd say this year they're kind of spread out. Typically, the way they do it is schools kind of work together, and you just have like a week of three or four in a row, so you're kind of... Now, John, do you notice John and Kyle, who spoke yesterday, I would venture to guess they got Noel Jed's plane and flew there. They did not go to SFO. or I would also venture to guess the same thing, (laughs) yes. And Adam Peters and his crew hit up SFO or San Jose and flew north, (laughs) right? Yeah, they were southwest. The, the, it's not inconceivable. Double plane drop off. Yeah, they drop the head coach Can off first, and then take the way? Peters. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, Jed's feeling himself. They're feeling good. They got the cash. If I was Adam, I'd put that in my contract when you keep me, but give me a new title and give me a little more money. You know, the yeah. way coaches do when they get take over a program. Mick Crone in UCLA. We got to fly private. Well, part of it, I think, like, I mean, Howie, at least in my experience, always flew, you know, first class. So it's like, you know, I get a direct flight to Columbus, first class, not that terrible. That's why you got to take your owner places. Yeah. Hey, man, you hey, want to come to Alabama Pro Day? Hey, Jed, we're going to uh, we're going to Clemson. You want to come hang out? You got anything? Oh, yeah, I got a, I got a place in Myrtle Beach. We can play golf next day. Okay, cool. Come. Perfect. <laughs> hey, you want to swing down to Carmel High School? Go talk to the uh, football team? That's why I think Bill flies normal. He doesn't want anyone coming with him, right? He just does his own thing. That's right. Let you ask for less. You owe. You don't want to owe people. I could identify. You don't want to owe people. It may be a little less convenient for you, but you no strings attached. Right, I think his take load. would be: Does Kraft owe me to give me the jet whenever I need it? And he'd probably have some validity to that <clears throat> statement, right? Yeah. Yeah. But Bill does feel like the guy that has that approach. Like I don't ask him for shit. Just pay me my money and I'll fuck up. I don't need there. anyone to know. What, what time are you arriving? Uh, you Can you make it by 10? Uh, the, the one thing when you do take the owner's plane, I've only been in one private jet my entire life, uh, and it actually wasn't really that nice at all. But like the higher end, they would have be able to keep tabs on everything you're doing, right? Because the, the owner's pilot would be the guy taking yeah. you around. Yeah, that's true too. Who's on the plane Not with that you, you uh, would really be doing nefarious stuff, but it's like they would just well, have a tab on you. He got on the plane with an extra set of bags and flip-flops. Yeah. It was weird. Podcast brought to you by MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. The Masters starts a week away. Like this time next week. Is the Par 3 competition on Monday? Tuesday? Wednesday? Next week? It's. I think it's usually Wednesday. Wednesday. So... You know, here we go. We'll be, they'll be at Augusta. Uh, and obviously we got, by the time you listen to this, the final, in all likelihood, by the time you listen to this, the final four will be set. And that's Saturday. Are the two teams playing as we're recording this, USC Gonzaga, UCLA, Michigan, the winner of those two games play each other? Correct. Do you know what's funny is when the tournament first happened, it was like, you know, it felt like all these upsets. And then I looked last night when they just showed the brackets. Well, it's Baylor versus... Uh, who else won last night? Uh, 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 Houston. So Baylor's a one seed. Houston's a two. If Michigan's beats UCLA, they're a one, and Gonzaga's a one. So it was like three ones and a two. <laughs> it wasn't like crazy upsets. Loyal to Oregon State, and when all the dust settled, the Final Four was like th- four elite teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because Unless there's a, a major lot- upset tonight. You know, one thing that happens when you get to the elite eight you at least for me i start thinking like god you're so close like you still you got to start thinking about winning a national championship now but you're really halfway there you've won three games you still have to win that game you got to win the final four you got to win the natty i think we've seen historically it's one thing to get to the elite eight it's something entirely different usually the final four even if you have a cinderella they're the only one there the other three teams are all legit 
And even then, you still got to win two more games against two of the best teams in the country. Being in the Final Four feels like you're close, but you still got to win two games. Like, it's a lot of things that have to happen to win two games. So, long way to could, go. But, could it, not but agree more. that's the thing about the tournament. It's everything is kind of a long way to go, but it all happens so fast. Flies. I got, I got a, uh, just looking at the Masters odds, DJ's kind of coming back to earth a little bit. Not playing that well. Now, eight to one. DeChambeau, nine to one. You know who's kind of a sexy pick because he's been playing really good? Mr. Under Armour, Jordan Spieth. He's been playing well. You know, he just played well in the match play. Yep. He's played well at this course. He's won it before. Like, he gets to go to the Champions Dinner every year. I think there's going to be a lot. I would say he's going to be a heavy, just like, crowd favorite. People rooting for him. He's back now. The problem, I'd like Jordan Spieth at like 30 to 1. He's 14 to 1. Like, that's that's a little outrageous. What uh, What's like Finau? Uh, Tony has gone down a little bit, thirty-three to one. He's now twenty-eight to one. I don't. I. I don't know if I'd put some money. I, I used to like Tony, but it's like, is he going to win this tournament? I don't know. I plan on tweeting that this is the week he wins because I'm going to tweet that until he wins. So I will do I that said, next I, week. But don't mistake that for a betting advice. I, I was listening to something. I. I guess Kepka's had bad knee surgery. Like he might just be out for the year. Feels like he's not around, right? No, well, he's not. Maybe Xander, eighteen to one. Not crazy. Mybookie.ag promo code AM one. Promo code UFC. AM1. Did you did you see that highlight of the guy beating the shit out of him uh, again? Taking his he took his fist for UFC guy. Uh, well, someone's like, it's not UFC, it's MMA. UFC is the promotional tool. Oh, right, right, okay, right. guys, I get it. Soccer guy. It's not that Kleenex. Big, it's a tissue. The big dude that went viral that destroyed this guy. Knocks him out. The guy hits the ground. He looks out. He takes his fist and goes hammer. And I'm thinking to myself, remember when I got MMA shamed for not understanding you can't go knee to the head? But you can when a guy's unconscious go hammer to the face. No big, oh yeah, fight's called now. So that's like, allowed okay, or it's guys. not allowed? It's a lot. I mean, technically you can do it. They just called the fight because the guy was done. But it's like you can just hammer him to the face. Gotcha. No knee to the face, arm on the ground. You are allowed to hammer the face if guys landing on his back. MMA, UFC. How about this, John? We've got the public is going to be um, going to be uh, getting it right in their face because April tenth, UFC on ABC. You can bet on that at mybookie.ag. ABC for the masses. Now we're talking. John. Love um, it. Promo code ham one mybookie.ag. The, the other thing, by the way, I want to update because um, I told the story the other day and I've gotten a lot of people that have uh, DM me about uh, Carmel High School. John, they reached out. All the coaches there, a lot of the coaches there listen. Golden yeah. Anderson, the uh, athletics director. Kurt Grail, who cut me in uh, ninth grade basketball. Somebody hit me up on uh, Twitter and said, Kurt Grail cut me at Lincoln High School. So Kurt, he's got a little thing. He's just going around the country cutting people. I mean, it's yeah. really somebody needs to, Maybe you guys just somebody needs to stop this guy. Yeah. <laughs> somebody needs to stop him. But the the tie that I wanted to bring up to you was one thing we love on this show. I think you and I just you've talked about it a lot since you worked in the league. I feel the same way that you do, where there are there are the, what I root for are cool things to happen, not necessarily one specific team to win. I root very selfishly. I want stuff that is good for content, but as a sports fan, I just want cool games to happen. Um, it's honestly the reason I don't make a bracket, and I rarely have in the last, probably since high school, I don't really make tournament brackets because I like to watch the game and then choose as I'm watching. Like, nah, I want to root for this underdog, even though I would have picked against him. I do, I do like, think gambling is going to wipe out the bracket just in general anyway. Well, there's that too. 
Um, but we just, you and I, we like to root for people. We like to root for stories, for things, whatever. And, uh, you know, we, as time goes on, you, we have people on, we start rooting for Hunter Bishop. You start rooting for Kyle Juszczyk. You start rooting for Hunter Mahan. Um, Mel Kuyper. To Mel get Kuyper. Right. We're rooting for Mel Kuyper and Adam Schefter and, and, uh, David Shaw and, you know, all that stuff. But, uh, so it turns out that one of the guys at Carmel high school is a tight end named JT Byrne who plays football and basketball and is going, he has signed at Oregon state and you and I are big Jonathan Smith guys. We know Derek Ray, who's a big part of the recruiting operation there at Oregon state. And so I sent Derek a text. I'm like, what, what's the deal with JT burn? Like, what's the story? He's like, Oh, he's a stud. It's like, we love him. Six, six, two thirty eight. John, you ready for his offers? You're going to love his offers. You are going Fre- I would say Fresno state, Nevada, no. New Mexico. No, UC no. Davis. You're going to love his offers even more. Okay, it hit me. Cal Poly. Okay. Army. Okay. Columbia. Okay. And Cornell. Okay. Sign with the Beavs. I love it. So, there you go. He's, he's, I don't, he doesn't know who we are, but uh, although I guess somebody played some of the audio of our podcast to the team, but uh, he's on the squad now. He, he, I'd say the, he you know the be best part about college football, too, is that guy's going to end up in the Pac-12. His likelihood of becoming a pro one day is equal as a guy right now going to Texas with offers of LSU, Alabama, and Georgia, right? Just yeah. the way the dust settles, that, that guy. He'll play against high-level guys. Them. He plays for a high-level coach. Yeah. He'll play in big it's games. It's not about where you start. It's about where you finish. We're, we're on the beeves on this show, by that the way. That would be a big get for Cal Poly. They didn't get him. He signed with Oregon State. Yeah, I don't blame him. I wouldn't go to Cal Poly either. <laughs> you didn't go to Cal Poly. Do it over. I would have gone somewhere else. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's get into it, John. Mac Jones had his pro day. The 49ers were indeed there. Shanahan, John Lynch, as well as one of their scouts was there. I don't know if you saw that photo, but those were the three. Um, and, you know, I think we... This is all part of the conversation. Smoke screen. Have they already decided? Is it still due diligence? Is this the guy they want? Are they trying to throw us off the scent? Um, and so a lot of what happened, the Niners were the story of, of this pro day. The Niners of yeah. any team are the story of this pro day. When he misses a throw deep, they cut right to Shanahan. Genius. Really, that's genius directing there. But what did you think watching it of just the whole spectacle now of the, the 49ers being right in the middle of this thing with Mac Jones? Well, I had an SEC scout that works for a non-playoff team who was headed to this pro day and said they got 13 dudes and probably 11 of them would start for us. Now, if the the 49ers, maybe that number is not 11, maybe that number six, but that pro day was absolutely loaded with star talent. Like they just won the national championship. They're the number one program in America. I'd say by a pretty wide margin. And the next group are elite as like Clemson, Ohio State. So it's not abnormal. I don't know. Did you notice Belichick? Sean Payton, like they, they weren't alone, right? It's a big deal to go to the pro day. Uh, now, the Mac Jones connection is not going to end. It's going to continue to be talked about. And it does make some sense. I, I have an overall take on Mac Jones, though, really quick, is that on social media, and because everyone kind of is terrified that Mac Jones is going to be the pick. I would not take Mac Jones at number three. I think it's insanity to take Mac Jones at number three. Let me put that on record. I would rather just trade a third-round pick for Sam Darnold. <laughs> I mean, I, I I would not draft Mac Jones at three. I think that's insanity to trade what they did to go get Mac Jones at three. I would not do it. But I also think he's being talked about like he is a scrub. 
This guy just started at Alabama, really, and backed up Tua, and it sounds like his teammates acted like he was better even when he was backing up. If that's true or not, I don't know. But when he played, he eviscerated everybody. And he's 6'4", 6'5". He's a legitimate NFL prospect. Now, again, I would not take him at three, but I, I do feel like the internet is talking about him like he sucks. If Kyle did get him, I do think the best version of Mac Jones would be possible. Again, I would take one of the two other guys, but I think you just see, like, when he really pushes the ball downfield, he's got a he's got the Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins. It just takes more. He's He doesn't throw the ball like Justin Fields does, like, you know, uh, Trey Lance does, like a Josh Allen, like a Justin Herbert. That ain't Mac Jones. Mac Jones is, to me, Matt Ryan is a kind of a good comp, right? I mean, even like a young, young, I'm, I'm not comparing to this player at all, but you said like part of the Tom Brady comparison is his body type. He just looks like at 21, 22, just not that many muscles, right? Just kind of flabby, tall, skinny, white guy. Like that, yeah. it kind of looks like him. Yeah. I, but Tom I, was a six round pick. Right. And that's where that comes from, I think, is that value is that so much of what we talk about with the draft, particularly quarterbacks, is the value of it. And as you pointed out the other day, the guys that get drafted at the very, very top of the draft generally are not the guys that turn out to be the best players in the NFL at their positions. Now, there's no debating that. I think part of that recipe is that they go to bad teams, bad coaches, that Kyle Shanahan is... Um, abnormal. It's not normal that Kyle Shanahan's are drafting third and are taking a quarterback. But this is why I said the other day, like this guy was a finalist for the Heisman and won a national championship. And uh, by that standard, that doesn't change anything in the scouting report necessarily, because as you pointed out, Tebow won a Heisman. But it does tell you about the level of accomplishment that he has. Like when I watched his pro day and uh, like I think about you and I talk about this a lot. I didn't need to see Peyton Manning in person to appreciate Peyton Manning. But when we went and saw the the Broncos play the Raiders at the Coliseum, what did we do? We did the same thing we always do. The same thing you always did. The same thing I do when I do a baseball game or a basketball game. I go down to the field. I go down to the court. I stand by the batting cage. I stand on the sideline. You and I went to countless Warrior games pregame. We'd stand on the court. Why? Because I want to see what Vince Carter looks like up close shooting 45-foot threes as part of his warm-up. And I want to see what Peyton Manning looks and acts like from three feet away. There are things you can see when you're five feet away from a person that you don't notice on television. So I got, I totally, I want all my guys, if my guys weren't going to pro days, I'd be pissed at them. So the fact that they're going to a pro day, but also the pro day doesn't matter. Like those two things do coexist to me that there's not nothing there. And I thought watching Mac Jones at his pro day, he had a lot of the characteristics, just watching him on television that people say he has. And I think it's probably kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't become Alabama's starting quarterback and win a national championship and have the respect of the best wide receivers in the country, the best running back in the country, the best center, one of the best centers in the country, and Nick Saban if you're a chump. So when people say his floor is high, or I think like you said, he's the safest pick, okay, maybe the safest pick that the Niners could make, not counting Trevor Lawrence. But nothing is safe. Nothing is safe to the point that if I said to you right now, you can either have Matt Ryan in this draft or roll the dice. You might say roll the dice. You did everything I would you one, did. I would, would 100% say roll the dice. But here's the problem. The, the odds are not good that Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Mac Jones or Zach Wilson, that any one of them puts together the career that Matt Ryan just did. 
the odds are against the collective, not just the individual, like the collective. The odds are just not good that one of them has Matt Ryan's career. I would. I'd push back on Especially that a little Matt bit Ryan's because mo- because, mo- because most years in the top ten, like two quarterbacks go. Yeah, not two, five. No, uh, so this, true, the numbers are going to be higher. I, I think it's maybe be the game little- has changed. But Matt Ryan before Kyle Shanahan left was eleven wins, thirteen wins, ten wins, thirteen wins, eleven wins, and then ten wins in his year with uh, Sark. His floor was four wins, six wins, nine wins, eight wins. Um, he never led the league in touchdowns. Here's the one thing I'll say about Matt Ryan, though, guy, looking at, like, he's a four-time Pro Bowler, and the MVP year came in 16. Kyle inherited a guy that had been to multiple Pro Bowls. You know, like, he was good when Kyle, like, Matt Ryan ultimately was a top three pick, right? Uh, A Pro Bowl-level player. Like, he was, you know, a higher-end pocket quarterback. Right. Yeah. I Well, I think you're right. I think the reason you would roll the dice, I think you're right to say you would roll the dice is because that guy can't carry you to a Super Bowl. Right. He can't do what Kyle Shanahan said in his press conference Monday. He's not a top five quarterback. And if you don't yeah. have a top five quarterback, then you're always a little bit nervous. That was basically my, what Shanahan said. Why I, why I don't believe that you can take Mac Jones, because I don't believe if like people that say, you know, like when Jerry Jones says, I took every penny I had, I invested in the Cowboys. Like some of the greatest business deals ever always come from like, I had to take out this loan. If it didn't work, it was over. Like I was totally swinging for the fences. This would feel a little bit like they emptied their savings account to trade up. And instead of like investing in something that had a super high upside, but could also fail those sleepless nights, they just kind of took the safe. Like they invested in like an ETF and be like, what? That's where I keep coming back to, why I just can't buy it. They valued that many picks for this individual seems seems like insanity to me. And I, I'm defending him. Like I think he could easily just be, if he goes to the right place, a solid player. Like maybe make a couple Pro Bowls throughout his career. But part of trading up to the top is putting yourself in position to hit the home run. Like you are now in the batter's box with a hitter's count. And it'd be like, you, you take. It'd be like, you're just waiting for, like, you got to fucking swing. And that's where I think this narrative getting pushed out, which is believable, it, it's hard for me to wrap my ha- head around. We'll talk about Kyle's, what he talked about yesterday, that they came to the conclusion, and the right conclusion, that it was worth doing all this to just get to three, whether they have the guy circled, whether you don't believe, whatever, to, to then go this safe route. That, that seems kind of uh, like an oxymoron to me. It seems like they're on polar opposite sides of the one move and then the opposite move once you get there. I I, I would struggle with that one. Yeah, you know, what you just said makes a lot of sense. Like if you're, but I guess the counter, if I was going to play devil's advocate, you'd say, well, you you don't, because you're drafting the safe quarterback, you you view trading the the two ones as not a risk because you think you're doing something safe. But I'm with you. You're saying if you're going to take a big swing, don't decide when you step up to swing for the fences and then halfway through the thing. Like, did you see uh, uh, Billy Horschel the other day? Yeah. Halfway through a swing, basically, like, didn't believe in what he was doing and hit one of the worst shots you'll ever see on tour. I mean, it was the second worst shot I've seen all year up behind uh, Bryson DeChambeau's shank. I, I mean, it, it, you could see that shot happening at every public course in America right now. Honestly, right? he probably made better contact than most people do, but the result was... It was bad, but it was a it was a it was a mistake. Not a it was a mistake of his of of changing his decision of not being committed. 
So I do wonder, are the like listening to you talk, I just wonder, are the Niners so committed to what they did because they believe that's the guy and it's going to be safe, that it's not as risky as it looks right now? That's not the way Kyle talked. We'll, we'll get to some what Kyle said about risk. Um, I, I wonder if anything, like you've been in the, does anything actually feel, does any player actually feel safe when you're the one drafting him? No. I, so I, even I would say safe Trevor is not safe. I, I'd even say like I tre, think about Trevor Lawrence has a little bit of a wild card in his coach has never coached in the league before. Like that's and I think no one would uh, disagree that Urban say what you want about his character and his fraud morals. He is an elite college football coach. Elite. Yeah, but if I said right now you you're you're the owner, you can either have Trevor Lawrence or Urban Meyer. Which do you choose? Trevor Lawrence. Right. Everybody does. Yes. But we've just seen like great talents get overwhelmed, right? Because at least yeah, back to the yeah. luck comparison that we had the other day, they had been a double-digit win team for a decade. Peyton fucking cracks his neck. They're throwing, I don't even know, Orlovsky. I forget the quarterbacks. It feels like Orlovsky was on every shitty team. <laughs> uh, they throw him out there. It was still Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney, but their quarterback play, Peyton just ran was everything. It? And then it comes out later, Bill Polian instead in draft rooms, like, what's the point? He goes down, we're screwed. He was right. Then Andrew Luck gets there. It's not like Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney, all these guys forgot how to win. And they're like, okay, we got a capable quarterback. Boom, 10 wins, right? That is, that's the opposite with the Jags. It's like DJ Charks. Uh, some I don't even know. Some of these random dudes they got in the squad, that, that running back, I think an undrafted free agent that I remember playing in fantasy was pretty good. Those guys are just, they don't know what they're doing. Now, they, they might be talented or whatever. Like, it's just, my point is that it's not inconceivable that after Trevor Lawrence's rookie year, we go, ooh, that was, a, that was they went 6-11. and 11. That was a little harder than he thought, yeah. right? Yeah. Would you say they are more likely to win six games or ten games next year, the Jags with Trevor Lawrence? Uh, six. Yeah, 100%. You're right on Orlovsky. The other name you're trying to think of, Curtis Painter. But I, I, going back, and you brought that up the other day, that's one of the biggest outlier shitty teams ever, right? They end up at one. They were terrible, but it was like, it turns out their quarterback just ran their franchise. Right, but that's what, But I brought it up in the, like the Niners, are, Kyle Shanahan, the Niners are an outlier. They weren't True, good, but, like, but they weren't three wins. Like you just don't. Yeah, end up the with, difference. The difference is the Colts won two and drafted one. The Niners sure. were at twelve. Like it just. It just honestly, when Peyton Manning, like the Hall of Fame, and he's going in this year, that's part of his legacy. Is like this guy disappeared for a year. They were the far and away the number one overall pick. Remember that year? It was so bad. I mean, it was like this is a joke. It was crazy. Everyone got fired. But it wasn't even anyone's fault. It was just like, yeah, it's Peyton. We're just we're in the business of Peyton. Yeah. And then the irony is he left. But that's like the he Niners left because the guy you drafted was the guy. The you Niners drafted. are kind of like that. But I'd say like Reggie Wayne's and Dwight. Those guys have been winning for ten years. Niners had one winning season. Uh, I I don't buy. If you draft Mac, your thinking is that he's the safest pick. I think your thinking is he is going to be better than these other two guys. That's what your yes. thinking has to be. I don't think you can think of it. I don't think Kyle, if he drafts Mac Jones and we're sitting here doing this after he's drafted Mac Jones and I'm we're peeling ourselves off the floor, I don't think the thinking will be it's because it's safe. I think the thinking will be I think he'll be a better quarterback than Trey Lance or Justin Fields. And the reason I say that is, again, what Kyle said Monday. Like Kyle is not under the illusion that a mediocre quarterback can carry football teams just because Kyle calls great plays. And we'll get to this. But I like – 
it it gets you to the same conclusion. Drafting Mac Jones because you think he's safe or drafting him because you think he's the best quarterback gets you to the same place, and it might be the wrong decision for different reasons. But I think he would draft him because he thinks he's going to be a better quarterback than Justin Fields or Trey Lance. My, my, my main issue would be, Kyle, Eagles were clearly open to trading to 12, right? They literally just did it. I would have traded one pick to get to six, the fucking deal that the Dolphins did, and got Mac Jones at six because you cannot convince me that Mac Jones wouldn't have been there at six. I'll yeah. never believe it till the day I die if they draft him at three. I'll never believe it till the day I die. Just like Daniel Jones, I just don't believe that he, he would have been there at 17, but this is different. Like, like Daniel Jones just has more physical ability than than Mac Jones, for example, right? We, we saw Daniel Jones, was it last year or two years ago when he was the fastest player in the league? Remember on that run on Thursday Night Football? <laughs> yeah. But uh, regard, whether that's true or not, it seems inconceivable. The one thing you would say about Mac, watching him, like, he does have some physical attributes that are interesting. Like, if I told you Kyle had gotten Mac Jones as a rookie, I bet, we, or excuse me, Daniel Jones, I bet people be like, I bet think Daniel Jones okay. I bet Daniel Jones will look good. That's why, remember, Jay Gruden loved him, but they knew they were going to take Dwayne Haskins. I actually think in this offense, Daniel Jones, like Mac Jones isn't even that good of an athlete. That's yeah. my issue. It's like, I'd rather have Sam Darnold. Like, just, that's why I'd rather have this other guy. Let's, I got some takes on him. Like you always say, you know what fast guys do? They run. You know what ripped guys do? Take their shirts off. You know what fast ripped guys do? They run with their shirts off. Justin Fields ran a 4.44 40-yard dash. And I think then made a few. I think the favorite throw in the NFL, social media fans, football fans, I think everyone's favorite throw these days is rolling to the wrong side of your body, turning, throwing across your body down the field. It's the Darnold throw. It's the that everyone loves. It's the Zach Wilson. And it's one of a the bomb. throws. A bomb down the yeah, field. Yeah, throwing a bomb. That's right. <laughs> this was Daniel Jeremiah's tweet. That was impressive. Hashtag Justin Fields. Just the uh, whole thing, or after one of those events, after the throw, or the after after they came back to the studio and the whole thing, because part of it is last night I, I lay in bed at about you know eight forty five, try to get on the TV twelve, get to bed before nine thirty, and I get a text and I look, it's Greg Papa, the voice of the 49ers. and he is basically starts the text. I have some thoughts on Justin Fields. You know, he's diving deep. He's like, I don't like it. I don't like what I see, and he said, I see a lot of Cam Newton. And I said, you know what? That's not a terrible comp. Because like Cam Newton, this guy is a physical freak, right? He's 6'4". I think he weighed in at 228, and he ran 4'4'4". Now, Cam was bigger. Cam was 248 at his pro day. Didn't quite run as fast. But to me, when you're 250 and you run a 4'5'5", it's kind of similar to being 225 and running a 4'4'4 or whatever. Like Cam's speed was never an issue. But like Cam... Some balls just fly over guys' heads. Sometimes it's just a little off. Here's what I know. Back to talking about Mac Jones. If you told me right now, as a rookie, I get Cam, if I with Kyle, Cam Newton or Matt Ryan, I don't fucking hesitate. I'm taking Cam Newton. Because Matt Ryan and Cam Newton, they achieved the same things. And you'd say the one thing about Matt Ryan, like he was around an elite offensive coordinator once. Matt, Cam Newton's entire career in, in uh, Carolina, he had a defensive head coach. So it's like, they both won MVPs. I'd be like, if Kyle can get him from the jump, I'll rather take that. And my take is with Tapapa. Cam won an MVP with one of the greatest individual seasons of all time. It was incredible. And it's like, no one ever disputed when Cam, even his years non-MVP, when he was on, like in a Pro Bowl type season, but you were just betting against him or he was playing your team. 
you're like, fuck, this guy's unstoppable. And th- that's what I'm saying. If, if I told you that Cam Newton had got Kyle Shanahan for nine years instead of a defensive head coach, who Ron's good. I'm not like diminishing Ron, but like the Carolina was always good at defense and running the football. Cam's career is better. So if you told me I get Justin Fields, who has similarities to Cam, I'd be licking my lips if I was Kyle Shanahan. That's what you want. That's where comparing, that is, those are the type prospects you have to mortgage the future, the farm, for as they did. You do that for the raw ability that you can hit a home run. You don't do that with, to me, you do that for Cam Newton. You don't do that for Matt Ryan. Now, that doesn't mean, obviously, he probably won't become Matt Cam Newton. The other guy won't become Matt Ryan. But that is the way these discussions happen in draft rooms because you have to compare it. You have to say who he'll be, what his skills are like. And I, I actually think it's a pretty good comp. But we, we act like Cam's a negative like, Cam was a pretty fucking big positive the last time I checked, right? Yeah, but Cam also was not a consistent thrower. Like, Cam but was not a Matt perfect... Matt Ryan! Well, yeah, yeah, I'm not comparing him to Matt Ryan. Oh, uh, no, I know, but I think we I think I'm, we use the Mac Jones-Matt Ryan thing as, like, a positive. Like, he does, he's not a super flawed player. But you're saying two different things, because Matt, we, we're acknowledging that Mac Jones' floor, just like Matt Ryan's floor, is lower. You're changing the standard. Like... That's part of it. Because you're not going to ask Justin Fields to play like... You don't want Justin Fields to play like Matt Ryan because you don't want Matt Ryan to play like Matt Ryan. Right? No, I'm comparing him to Cam. No, no, I know. But what I'm saying is it's... it's you're, When you draft Justin Fields, if I said to you, you are getting Cam Newton the passer, you'd go, ah, I'm going to want to get a little more out of him than that. Now, if you get the greatest season of all time, you, it's hard to call that a failure. But you would want more out of it. That's why you said... if. Kyle had Cam, you would have thought Cam's career would have been better. Like, that's yeah. part of this. That goes back to the Mel Kuyper, who's been on this podcast. <laughs> what is it with the Jays? Justin, Josh, Justin. Uh, nobody likes the guys with the Jays. Underrated part of the rant about Justin Fields was when he just made this offhand comment about the guys with the Jays. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields. Nobody likes the Jay guys. What is it with Jays? But, but he, what did he say? He said, this is about his whole thing that everyone latched onto was anticipatory scouting. Like part of this is if you're Kyle, you go, okay, I see what Justin Fields was. And I know there's this pushback on Fields. That there's this whole discussion about whether or not he reads defenses and on and on and on and on. But if you're Kyle, you go, okay, that's what he looked like at Ohio State. He might fail in 20 other places, but for me, Kyle Shanahan, even if he doesn't have all of the things that Patrick Mahomes has from a defensive uh, diagnostic ability, that's okay. I'm Kyle Shanahan. I can call great plays. I got other players who don't do everything, but I make it work. But what this guy can do when it's just up to him to go make a play is special. But I remember Patrick Mahomes, it might have been in the shop, the LeBron HBO show. Yeah. It might have been. It, it, I remember seeing a clip go viral that said his first year, he didn't even know what he was doing. I remember Brett Favre, his first year in Green Bay, Matt Hasselback or Andy Reid says nickel defense, and he has to look at his at his uh, backup quarterback. He says, what's a nickel corner? What's a nickel defense? What He didn't know what that means. Part yeah. That's where Kyle Shanahan comes in. You tell you, He's got Cam Newton attributes. I want that guy with Kyle because well, then you mold him and you teach him. Yeah, no math teacher in 10th grade gets his class together and goes, all right, 10 of you people, you're not capable of learning trigonometry. So whatever no it's the teacher's job to teach everybody some people know it the first time they put it on the board some people have to study an extra eight hours of homework and need to come to office hours 
But the teacher's job is to teach everybody ultimately the subject matter. And we don't talk about coaches as teachers in that way. We talk about footwork. We talk about play calling. But we don't talk about how are you going to become smarter, which is all I mean, that is. Learning is just getting smarter. Well, and part We talk of it, about like, natural uh, smarts versus not smart. Sometimes work that way. I, I just need to listen to something else. And I'll listen to like Lewis Howes. He has this podcast where he just interviews high-level people. Half of them I've never even heard of. And I'd say pretty yeah. consistently they all have in common is like one thing they say for success is they're just always being curious and always learning. So you're just always improving. Like part of the best players, part of the most successful people in life are just always improving. Like there, there is no stagnation. So if, if you meet Justin Fields or Trey Lance falls under this too, but we're just talking about Justin and you think he is someone who's constantly wants more and like, this term kind of gets thrown around a lot. Like he wants to be great. That, that's kind of cheesy. I just, you don't even want to be great. Like you just want to keep getting better. Like I, I talked to Keith Williams, who's now this, I think a wide receiver coach from Baltimore Ravens. And he always told me about Devonte. He just wants to fucking be great. But I think what that really means is what Devonte really wants to do is just always be better. Like, how do I always improve? And I'd say most successful people in business, they're just always trying to get better. If that is say this about cam, I like, Clearly, Cam gets along with Bill. I do think we probably underrate like Cam's desire and drive and how hard he worked. He he just had a kind of a really a flawed motion. Watching Justin Fields, this guy is a more natural motion. Can if he always wants to get better and he's a football junkie, which is which matters because unlike baseball or basketball, you practice so much, so you really gotta like it. That is a you know a differentiating attribute. Like if a guy kind of likes football, but he really likes being famous and getting laid because of it, like you'd be out on that guy. If you told me Justin Fields was like that, I'd be like, okay. I want guys you, that hate getting laid. But if you told me, <laughs> but I, you, no, no, I know you're absolutely, I know. Just I'm, after you're done studying. Yeah, yeah. That, that football is a really important to you. Like the reason Tiger Woods kicked everyone's ass wasn't because like, obviously he learned from a jump and he played more than anyone from like two to 18, but clearly he was addicted to playing golf. He fucking loved it. And I think we talk about Peyton Manning. When I think Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, I'm just like, those guys are addicted to football. Now, Peyton's body quit on him, so he just kind of had to quit the sport. But when you see Peyton on the outside, I bet it looks like he's living retirement. Then he probably has stretches where he really misses it. Because you can't go from 0 to 60 that easily where you were in it and so great at something. That, and that's where I think Mahomes, when I talk to those guys, it just, I, I like, Mahomes is always there. The guy is a addicted to football he's not addicted to money he's not addicted to the fame and I think underrated it works for other positions too like why do Mahomes and Kelsey get along so well because you know what for all the BS I think we kind of talk Kelsey a little like Gronk those guys love playing football like Kelsey is a football addict Gronk's a football addict like the best players Richard Sherman I think forever football addict like he loves football and that to me is how what to me if Justin Fields is like that I have a hard time, and Kyle got his hands on him. I, I just don't see how he fails. Now, I don't. That doesn't mean he's going to be an all-time great, but I don't see how he fails. I think when you're talking about wanting to be great at something, I I think there's a lot of the same threads as loving it, and I think there's a lot of the same threads between loving it and having confidence, knowing you can do it, believing you, that you can do it. Like, I think part of what happens for the guys that that believe they can be great. It kind of makes you love it more because you feel like it's right. It's it, it is a reachable goal for you. I think it's easier for people who have abs to do sit ups than it is for people who don't have abs because you're like 
They're right here. They're, my goal is right there in front of me. I've got the abs. I think it's a lot harder to motivate yourself to do the sit-ups when you know it's going to be like three years before the abs pop up. So, But it is possible. You just cut out ice cream. You eat better foods. Yeah, it's just hard. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just harder. Yeah, right? Most people make way. an excuse. But I, the thing I think about is, is Bryson DeChambeau because I think there's always this when Bryson's out there putting and it's sundown and he had already finished a round and he hit the driving range. I think there's this what is this guy doing? Like, what, what is he trying to out, just show people how hard he's working? I don't think you can fake working hard for an extra two hours a day after you just worked for six hours. And then you're going to do it the next day and the next day. And he does it week after week after week, month after month after month, year after year after year after year. Like, that's one thing that pisses me off is when I see that. Like, oh, what is who does Bryson think he is? Look, man, go hang out with your caddy and go to bed or don't, whatever. But the guy's working his ass off. And why? A, because he loves it. B, he wants to be great. Maybe Who knows what drives him? Maybe it's the desire to be great. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's that he feels he's so close to being different than everybody else. I don't know. But I know he, I, I know he loves it. I know he competes his ass off. And I, you can't fake that for this long. You just can't. You can't. I agree. So I, you know, that that to that to me, this as they meet oh, these so, guys. Sorry, sorry. I just wanted to, what I didn't finish that. The reason I thought of that was Cam Newton. Like Cam Newton didn't just sit back and play pretty boy quarterback. Like I know Cam Newton loved football because the kind of football Cam Newton played, you have to love in order to play it that way. He still did it this year. I know when I was watching. I know when he didn't get to do the other fun shit, right? And then he went back to him, right? He went back to the place that is pretty hard. Now they gave him some money, but still, like I, I honestly, my respect for Cam went up infinitely this year. As he struggled and he just kept Which is swinging. probably on us, right? Cam would have been like, 100%. Why did you respect You didn't think I was working hard back when I was the well, best I th- player I think, in the sport? I think, a hu- I think a huge reason is like a lot of people in the media that I despise, they liked him and I just go the other way. Yeah, I understand. I did that too with Jay Cutler. Look how that worked out for me. Uh, he had some moments. I just liked him because everyone else hated him. I was like, screw you guys. Yeah. I was like that with Romo. Romo's way more like We should go that way with Jimmy Garoppolo right now. <laughs> uh, I'm good on that one. Yeah, prize picks is where it's at. Prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million users. I've been using it and telling you about it for months. It's the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. We're not going to talk about my Otani less season long pick quite yet. On his home run total. You just pick more or less of two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. For example, this week on prize picks, you can go Anthony Edwards more than 29 points and Nikola Jokic more than 10 rebounds. Playoff time's the time to join because star players mean more on prize picks. Keep an eye out for the starred players on the board and you could receive a 10% payout boost if they're in your winning lineup. So right now, download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, code HAM50, first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high quality meat and seafood. 
you can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, John. Here's what Kyle Shanahan said about risk and the risk they took in trading up to three when he spoke to the media on Monday. You got to take risks. And this is a risk we were willing to take. Um, we looked at how our four years have gone. We looked at how we want the next four years to go. Um, and we looked where we're at in the draft and the, the options that are there. And that's why sitting there looking at this stuff since January and going all the way through the process, um, we felt pretty strongly we we're going to get left at the altar sitting there at 12. We felt pretty strongly we were going to get left at the altar sitting there at 12. He talked like a man who felt like he had no choice, not like a man who had weighed all of his all of his options. He knew he needed a quarterback, and he didn't think he was going to get one at 12. Let me just start by saying this, and we mentioned it a little earlier in the podcast. Uh, I, I do think the numbers on quarterback drafts, like if you just go the last decade, are a little skewed, like quarterbacks that make it in the top 10. Because most years, there's two. Right, a lot of times there's a Goff Wentz, Mariota Winston. Some years there's Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray. There's not very often that there are really just four elite prospects like Trevor Lawrence locked to go one. Zach Wilson, honestly, is pro day. I, I'm not comparing him to this player. I don't think he's going to be this good. He's kind of got an Aaron Rodgers vibe to his game, just rolling around, slinging it. It looks sweet. Then you got Fields and Lance, who are just blue chip prospects, right? 6'4", can fucking run like a deer, got big arms. They're, those guys are just top 10 prospects. And then you got Mac Jones kind of off the top rope, like, hey guys, I'm here too. <laughs> it's just, it's just kind of interesting, and, it, and his sweet players are saying he's better than Tua, who just went in the top five. I just think it's kind of a unique year. Like, because remember the year that Baker, Sam, 
Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar. Looking back, like Josh Allen was clearly, and Lamar were the physical freaks, and one went seven, one went 32. Josh Rosen's now a practice squad player. Sam probably about to get kicked out of his team at any moment, and Baker's fine. Yeah, I mean, this this year feels like five guys where I think he's, they start doing the math. You just start getting the information on these guys. Like, the only guy that might be left to us is Mac Jones. Like, I think the other four guys were locked to go in like the top six or seven, right? Look, if we, uh, yes, yes, to answer your question, yes, I agree with that. If we look at 2018, which is the one to look at because it's hard to find in recent memory, you don't have five guys going in the first round, but even uh, four in the top 10 is a lot. Yeah, right? I mean, you had Rosen go 10. We had 2012 where four guys went in the top 25. Brought, uh, Luck, Griffin, Tannehill, Whedon. Um, you had four and 11, Cam, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Pot- Ponder. Those are four guys in the top 12 picks. What, what, do you have Tannehill? What, what pick was Tannehill? Tannehill was... Uh, 12, 11, eight. 8. See, I think that's a good example of Tannehill probably has a lot in common with like a Fields Lance of just like he was 6'4", six, 6'5", six, he could fucking run and he had a big arm. And it turns out his arm was probably a little overrated, it's, but it's pretty good, right? Yeah. And that, just, that type player just goes in the top 10, just the raw physical elite tools. And these guys have better tools. So you're just looking like, that to me is back to the Mac Jones, Justin Fields. You only trade up if you realize, well, the elite, the elite skill guys, they ain't sniffing pick 12. Well, think about the 18 draft. You've got five quarterbacks drafted. You have two MVP level players, we think, right at this point. One of them won one. Josh Allen, we think, will be one. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Guess who yeah. are the two most skilled quarterbacks in that draft? You've got a complete, you've got a total bust in Rosen. You've got, uh, to this point, a bust, but not Rosen level in Darnold. Might not be his fault. We're not really sure. I think, yet. you know, remember, did you ever get these like when you were in like sixth grade, uh, INC, incomplete? Incomplete. I'd give him an incomplete. So it's yeah, not, I mean, you'd be like, Dad, I didn't fail, but I didn't get an A. Well, I'm he's not a franchise. Here's what he's not a franchise quarterback right now. But I, are we sure? No, but that's what he's not right now. Just like, yeah. like I was texting with Jeff Schwartz the other day and I said, we were talking about just the quarterbacks and I was like, look, yeah, it it could be crazy when they draft Mac Jones. It could be crazy in two years. Who knows? But here's what I know about Goff and wrote and and Wentz. Goff was worse. Then Goff was better. Then Wentz was better. Then Wentz was worse. Now they're both on different teams, and it feels like Wentz is about to be better again. Like it just changes a lot. Colton Miller was worse. Now he's better than Mike McGlinchey. Things change. So with these guys, you're right on Sam. And Baker, well, that's, that's, that's ba- the statement. No one gets, no one stays the same. You either get better or you get worse. Baker went number no one, and right now he feels like he's. I would put him in franchise quarterback. Like they're going to have to pick up his option. They're going to probably extend him as long as he's got a solid coach. It feels like he'll be good enough, and that thing they'll just kind of chug along, and they'll be like, "Yeah, we should have taken Allen, but you know, in the end, we got a franchise. We can, we can live with this. We'll, we didn't. We'll, we'll be fine." Yeah. So it, let's say this draft plays out that way. Right where there's two MVPs, an incomplete, a solid franchise guy, and a bust. Like, well, when you're drafting third of the five, you got a pretty good shot. You've put yourself in good position. Here's where the pressure, though, is, guy. If you tell me that's going to be the case, five of them, and that exact rate, right, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably very likely because that is the only example based on all the previous years where it was like, they were viewed as pretty big talents. Like Christian Ponder was a crazy 
stretch. Whedon, like some of those guys. If those guys were in this draft, people would be like, I ain't touching them. Like Mac Jones is infinitely better in prospect than those guys. When you trade pick 12 and two other ones and a three, you better end up with one of the sweet ones. Because that this is where I get back to, if you end up with the incomplete guy, it's it derails careers. It derails the franchise. Just yeah, well, I, and, and I think like, I think it's hard for Kyle to have it incomplete unless you have injuries. Like Jimmy, that was like, this thing's kind of an incomplete, but it's just time to move on, right? I think with Kyle, it'll be like it works or it doesn't work. And I think it's going to be hard for, for that's what I'm saying. There is no, there is no going to be no gray zone. It's either going to be pass or fail. And if it passes, it'll probably be pretty good. If it fails, they got major problems. Well, this is where like my my ultimate take has been now for the last three or four days is that I just think that a lot, there is the possibility whether they take Lance fields, Mac Jones, somehow they get Zach Wilson failing is an option. That's part of risking risk it for the biscuit. Part of risking it for the biscuit is like, you overthrow them. The, the company you invest in goes bankrupt. Like it just everything. And we saw it this year with Corona. There is nothing that's safe at any moment time, whether it's football, whether it's real life, it can always go wrong. I, I just think we have that information, right? Things are out of your control, right? Yes. Who knows? Yes. But that happens to the guy's family and something. He's just never mentally the same. I don't know. You but just, I think that's never know. But I think that's part of what that clip we play. That's part of what Kyle Shanahan is saying. Like, we've spent a full month diving into this thing. We thought about our last four years, and we thought about where we want to be in four years. And yes, they made the Super Bowl. That's a big part of the story. I think if we had to pick one image from the first four years of Kyle Shanahan's tenure, it would be the photo that you always tweet of Kyle sitting in the locker room, looking miserable, just sitting on his butt on the carpet with his back against it, a little equipment thing, holding the football. Just in a daze, locked yeah. in. Maybe it was a pre, whatever. Well, they might have been like one and nine at the time or something. I think part of I don't think they, I don't want to say it was a desperate thing to do because desperate has like an inherently negative connotation to it. But I do think they were kind of in a desperate situation. And this is where I go back to what I said the other day. It's just as risky, maybe more risky to do nothing in this circumstance than to do what they did. And I think they felt like, how else are we going to get to that level where we need to go if we don't do this? And, you know, once you're in the Indiana Jones and you're standing on the middle little piece of wood and the one behind you starts, the wall starts closing in and the only way you can go is forward, then you st- then all of a sudden it doesn't feel so risky to be running down a two by four over a cliff. 100%. And see, so that's me, where that's they are. Where, that's where I'd push back. Ideally, you never want to do deals out of desperation. I know. But sometimes you're up against a tree and a grizzly bear is running at you. And, you you know, you get to a position like uh, the famous story about FedEx, the the, the coach for uh, the Atlanta Falcons' dad. Yeah. Have you ever read, like, in 1978, he was down to his last $20,000. He was not going to be able to make the payment for the company. He went to a casino and he played, like, a hand of blackjack or two and he tripled it. And that's how he kept his company alive. Like, Because he didn't have a choice. He was wanna- losing that $20,000 either way. But but he he made it. No no. But I'm saying he that twenty thousand dollars. If he lost it a blackjack, he was yeah, going to lose the twenty thousand dollars on yeah, the yeah. It, it was done. He either was going to make it or he was fucked. But sometimes like I, that's where I argued coming in this off season why Jimmy couldn't come back. They were in an untenable quarterback situation. They couldn't roll it back. And now the narrative can be whatever you want on Jimmy. I don't even need to argue it anymore. No one does that have been like this is not sustainable. They showed you. They spent the last two and a half months. 
I, I think I, I can give you a decent idea because I've been a part of somewhat of it. I, I know the project that they just took under. Every single guy, I would imagine. Kyle, J- now John and Adam Peters had spent during the season and do it, but probably did it again. And I would imagine Mike, McDaniel, Mike McDaniels, once Sala and LaFleur leave, maybe whoever else some of his trusted lieutenants are, whether it's Welker, whether it's Rich Gangalito, whether it's whoever, and all the pro scouts, you did a deep dive on every snap, all five of these guys. Maybe you include Trevor Lawrence just so you can stack them. And maybe even do a deep thing on Jimmy just to like double check, take a deep breath. And they came to the conclusion that 12, multiple other first rounders, they even said like, yeah, we were willing to pay a premium to get in there early. Like they admitted it. They were willing to pay a premium because their quarterback situation was so shitty. And I think they, once you do the deep dive projects, you realize like, God damn, these guys are pretty talented. That's where I think to pull the trigger, it'd be like investing in something that people think is pretty crazy. But if you know, if you're like, God damn, I see where this is going. We've been in the podcast space for a while. Why did I feel good about it four years ago? Because I knew radio's fucked. Now everyone's like, God, who listens to radio anymore? Well, no shit. I knew it four years ago. Once you can look and see the big picture, I bet even Kyle was like, God, this Trey Lance, like his physical skills. And that gets back to the Josh Allen. And I saw people tweeting about like, well, why wouldn't he have been more invested? And we'll get to Kirk Cousins here in a second, but like in Deshaun Watson, those guys would have been perfect. Because you learn with time. You get better. He went through experiences with no Kirk Cousins, with Jimmy, with Jimmy getting hurt, with Jimmy playing well. You get better I as think, you age because you I think you go playing Patrick things. Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And the, I, I think the when they were on the ground kind of bleeding out and Josh Allen gave him a curb stomp this year, had to I really believe I don't think that created this I think that hammered it home when he witnessed that on the sideline in Arizona and that guy that has to be one of his top five games he's ever played and it was a clinic yeah it was I think it was a historically great game for Bill's quarterbacks wasn't it <laughs> but it was just it wasn't even just the whatever his completion percentage was like 85 it was how the balls were going a hundred miles an hour and hitting guys directly in the hands it was like Kyle, this is what you, this is. And, and, and then you start realizing like the bills are going to be a powerhouse for a while because of that. Yeah. Well, that's they, where I get back to. I, it's hard for me after witnessing Mahomes, then witnessing that for them to not go with one of the higher upside guys, especially after he admits he spent the last couple months doing these deep dives and this, these projects together as a group. And then they decided, right. How would you take the easy route after doing yeah, that? Yeah, because but I don't know but that's where I go back to what I said earlier. I don't think you view it as the easy route. I think you if you do if you draft Mac Jones it's because you think he's going to be the better quarterback. I got so, a DM from someone who's had some good information over the years that said that the main one of the main reasons they went to see Mac Jones is John Lynch is a big fan. And then you start going, well who John Lynch like, you know, uh, Solomon, Solomon Thomas. Thomas. Like I I could see John Lynch liking this guy. Yeah. Uh, it's, who'd, he, who'd he win with? Brad Johnson? Like, in his mind, he's a defensive guy. Probably loves the guy. Like, so much of the Solomon thing was like, oh, remember you had a class. And the, um, But uh, I think to go back to the— Solomon a Raider now? Uh, he is. To, to go back to the risk part of it, the risk, I think Kyle views the risk not in the trade. The risk is in the pick. The, the, the risk is not— Oh well, you know you chose this over running it back with Jimmy, and I, and I think that's where this trade and the timeline with Deshaun Watson line up. Like Deshaun, if you're gonna if you were willing to trade this much for a pick, you were willing to trade a little bit more for Deshaun Watson. You would have been, yeah. But that's not an option. 
right now. So then it was about, we've already made the decision. We need to do something. So here's what we'll do. We'll do this instead. The risk is not in not, like when you choose this, you are you are choosing to not go down the road with Jimmy Garoppolo or Sam Darnold or whoever. That's not where the risk in this lies. The risk lies in it's hard to pick quarterbacks. Can you pick the right one? Agreed. Kyle Shanahan on Monday, here is what he said about the types of quarterbacks he liked when specifically asked about Kirk Cousins. I mean, I would have loved to have him in free agency until Jimmy came along the year before because I thought we could have won with him, um, just like Minnesota has. Just like um, I think Kirk does a good job for whatever team he plays for every year. Um, there's a number of quarterbacks like that. Um, but to, that's the only one I've been associated with because people thought I was trying to bring him here, which I was at the time. It's not because that's how you draw it up. Um, if you're going to draw it up, you're going to draw the, the biggest, fastest, strongest, and best quarterback. If you're going to draw it up, you're going to draw up the biggest, fastest, strongest, and best quarterback. That's what he said. The best, the best at the end gives him a little bit of an out, right? The biggest, strongest, fastest guy. It's like, well, it can't be Mac Jones, but and the best. It's got to be yeah. the best also. I think he kind of hammers home that, and this gets back to what we just talked about, about, you know, because if you look back, he, he screwed up the draft, right, on the night when he could have had Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Like the right move would have been, well, we'll see. Maybe Deshaun's and you know got some own issues. That would have been right, a but, he, but but it was the wrong draft because they also did not draft this guy who was on their team anymore. It was a double whammy. Yeah, it, it was a disaster. And I I keep getting back to he's learned a lot in these four years as a head coach. Like he, if if you sat down with him five years ago, one he looks. I tweeted out a picture and everyone's like, God, he looks like. Remember when Obama went in and he came out his whole hair is gray? Like Kyle's got a little bit of that vibe, even though to me he doesn't look that much older. His beard's a little burlier. Uh, I I do just wonder, like the biggest, fastest, strongest. To me, that's not nothing because I would say, at his core, most people would imagine he would have been like, I just want the best quarterback, right? I can ha- make, but biggest, fastest, strongest. To me, that hammers home the Josh Allen comment, the Mahomes stuff, and just the way the league's going. And back to what I'm saying, the way scouts think. Like, Kyle, we need to get the guy with the highest upside. We need to get Cam Newton. It's weird because I've always been a Cam Newton. I obviously want way better than Cam Newton. But if you give me the physical skills and then it's, I think it's moldable, the sky is the limit. Because if I said Cam Newton had got with the right quarterback who improved his accuracy 5% early on, we'd all agree Cam would have been an unstoppable force. Like, his big flaw was he was inaccurate at big times. Where if his act and he was still good, if his accuracy would have been on point, he didn't have to be Drew Brees because he was running like a fucking dominant player. If he would have just thrown instead of some of those years been 58, 60, had been 64, it's it's a wrap. It's why in the NBA they talk about the difference between 38 three point percentage and 34 is dramatically different. That that extra completion or two in a game, you know, three extra completions, two of those could be on third down, and that's the difference in winning and losing. And, and then Josh Allen is the, a great recent example of a big... To me, he was the ultimate, right? Big, fast, strong, and then high character. But it was like, he's not very good at football. And then they got him, and they just totally molded him. But then Mel Kuyper would say, you look back at his junior year, which was a lot better than his senior year, or it might have been a sophomore year, junior year, I forget, because he technically had one more year eligibility, was 
he lost a lot of, they might not have Talent. been first rounders like Alabama, yeah. but guys like five or six guys on offense to practice squads and late round picks. And at a school like that, you just, the next group of guys like me and you, it's like, okay, throw to me, Josh. And he looked, but he looked bad. I mean, it was, the eye test was off, but the talent was there. But my, my I had a buddy with the Chiefs, not Veach, but another guy was like, I remember being at the Combine that year in 2018. He's like, I see you crushing Josh Allen. I'm telling you, I fucking see it. Like this guy, it's there. You got to project it. And that's the thing with, we're not signing free, we're not signing Matthew Judon, right? We're not signing Trent Williams. This is not a plug and play thing in free agency. This is a projection. I think sometimes that when I'm texting with Greg Papa, like, I, Greg, this guy's not set player right now. You know, this, even Kirk Cousins, I'll give Kirk Cousins credit. He's improved. He just has physical limitations that he can't run away from you, right? That is, if, if Kirk Cousins, if I said, instead of being a 5 out of 10 athlete, Cousins was an 8, he would be a dramatically more, like the Minnesota would be a powerhouse, right? Yeah, because there's three or four plays over the course of a week, and then... Multiply that over the course of a month, and then all your lead, you know your divisional, the big divisional game you play on Monday night, and all of a sudden he's already throwing thirty touchdowns, twenty five more, thirty eight. Yeah, it's not, it, or it's just a first down that you didn't get. Uh, that you can't run for. It's a fourth down that you go for from your own forty eight because you know you have more than one option based on the physical set skill set of your quarterback. Right, gives it, you more options at the two yard line. With them, it gives you, know? you all these more options. I think part of that, listening to you talk about Kyle learning. Part of that, I I wonder if part of it is being a head coach. I wonder if there's one thing to be a coordinator. It's another thing when it's your team that is playing Patrick Mahomes and it's your team that is playing Josh Allen. Even when you're not, like if you're a defensive coordinator, you think you think like that already. I lowballed Cousins. He threw 35 touchdowns this year. That's a pretty good year. Uh, how many how many 35 plus touchdown seasons does he have? I think that's his first one. Be my guess. I'm just wondering, is that the is that his career high? It has to be because the previous year he threw 26 and he had a good year. I'm just I was starting to wonder like has Heath had more 35 touchdown seasons than Matt Ryan? Because Matt's had one and it's 38. But yeah, that was his first 35. Um, I mean, his three years in Minnesota: 30, 26, 35. Yeah. But Kyle said that. He said, look, look, what he's doing on it. He's been good for the Vikings. The Vikings wouldn't change the way it's played out from the quarterback standpoint. I think, do you agree with this? When Cousins signs with the Vikings and they gave him that three-year, like $88 million, every penny guaranteed, I think a lot of people are like, God, this is kind of stupid. He's been better than most people probably thought it was going to be, right? For yeah, but like, he's I, been I, good. He has, but I do think he's. it's in a weird spot where it's easier to like him when he's on somebody else's team when he's on your team, you want more because you go, I want to win the championship, and I don't think we can do it this way, right? Like Kyle Shanahan said, you know, everyone thought I like Kirk or I was going to get Kirk, and it's because I was going to get Kirk. Yeah, it's like that was true. I mean, he's he's told us that multiple times. Like it's not yeah, a that, that's that's been out. But for that's years. what he's saying is, I think what he's saying there is, just because I've told you guys I was going to take that guy. Doesn't mean that that is my ideal quarterback. You guys have taken that to me. That's my ideal because I was the OC for Matt Schaub. And then I went with Kirk instead of RG3. And then I won with Matt Ryan. Yeah, well, look who his dad coached. Not any of those guys. His dad coached John Elway. Now, at the end of his career is when he won a Super Bowls. But one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks in the history of the sport. You want another name? One thing I read yesterday 
because Kyle said the reason I haven't gone to many pro days, a big part of it was we never wanted to tip people off. Yeah. I never wanted to, and now I don't give a shit. It's clear. Like they, they ain't hiding like, you know, we might take Jamar Chase. Right. It's, they're they're embracing. It's clear what's going on. Someone wrote, he learned from his dad in 06 when they got Jay Cutler. Denver was very quiet about it. And think about this. Jay Cutler coming out was big time athlete, big guy, huge arm. If you it, now it didn't, you know, Mike ended up getting fired. Josh McDaniels came in, they get rid of Jay. But you have to say this Mike did want, after going through the Jake Plummer experience and the greasy experience from Elway, it was tough, right? He went for a home run with Jay Cutler, right? Because Jay was physical freak, huge arm, smart guy, weird guy, but like the physical skills. Top 10 level guy out of out of a smaller, quote unquote, Vanderbilt, right? It's not like Alabama, some powerhouse. Yeah. That, that actually, when I read that, I was like, you know, I I do think the Shanahans, they're not always looking for uh, for Kirk Cousins 2.0. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. I think he could easily argue Mac Jones is not. He could also say, I think Mac, not th- this always comes back to Mac. It's not about Mac, but it is partly about Mac when he talks about Kirk. He could say, well, I think Mac Jones is going to be better than Kirk Cousins. But I, you know, again, that. Everything he says could be viewed as a smokescreen. Everything he said could be viewed as something that, uh, you know, is just said only to throw people off the scent. But that specific statement about the physical nature of the players, think about what he likes in running backs. What does he like in running backs? One cut uphill, just get down. Fast fast guys. Yeah, because he'll give them a hole, hit it. He likes skilled receivers. I mean, who doesn't? Well, he has specific things he looks for. I, but they're but they're but I would say all his receivers are guys that can make plays with the ball in their hands. Yeah, because they're physical. Like they're they're tough. He likes toughness in his wide receivers. They can break a tackle. Uh, they'll block. You know, like to me when I think of like the wide receivers in the NFL, Kyle would like. I'd be like Keenan Allen. He'd like Devontae Adams. You know, looking back, like would he really like Odell Beckham? He likes a speed We'd guy. Like Julio. But I don't know. If, He'd like who, but what's Julio? Who wouldn't I mean, like he's a Julio? Fucking monster, yeah. you know. Yeah. I got to tell you, he's players, got a type, but it's like if you're one of the know, greatest in, of all time, uh, he, he's into Aaron uh, Aaron Donald. That's his type. You know, Phil Jackson. <laughs> it's clear he had a type. It was like Jordan, Kobe, Shaq, Pippen. It's like you know he really likes Trent Williams. They're like yeah, everyone in the league does. <laughs> Where are you trying to go look up Kirk Cousins' college offers? No, I was looking up. Uh, if they traded up to get Jay Cutler, and they did. To what? They traded, the Rams traded their first round pick. I guess Denver just came from 15th. They traded their first round pick, 15, and third round pick to get to 11. So 15, pick 68 to 11. Hmm. But I think part of the article was just saying is like, Mike couldn't let it get out that Denver wanted him. Someone jumps him. They, he had to keep it very, very quiet. And I just think that they... They didn't necessarily want to play that game. Slash, they knew that game wasn't there to be played this year. Yeah. Right? There was no games. Like, I think with the Kinlaw stuff and the Ayuk stuff, it, I didn't see either one of those players coming. I guess Kinlaw, once they traded uh, once they traded Buckner, wasn't that crazy. Maybe we had talked about it. But Ayuk kind of came out of left field, yeah, I thought. Yeah, And I, I'd say one thing consistently, Solomon Thomas was obvious. But after that, like everything, most stuff they do in the draft, pretty out of left field because the one thing the Niners have been pretty consistent on, and this again goes back to Mac Jones, we don't just, oh, I know what the Niners are going to do. Now, I had heard 
about this trading up to three, but it turns out they'd been trying to do it for a month, you know, so it had just kind of been out there a little bit in the ether. And it, it's not, you're not hiding from that. Once you start calling about trading up, like it's going to kind of get out. But when you're going to sit there and wait till draft night, it does behoove you to shut your fucking mouth and not say a word and then do some Jedi stuff, which they've kind of done back and forth. I think if we were to take a step back and look at... Because Gruden, I mean, I'm not trying to talk shit about Gruden, but I'd say he's kind of done the opposite the last couple of years. We've known like who they've liked. Yeah, we knew. We'll get to it. We knew they liked McGlinchey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think the, the, the degree to which... Daniel Jeremiah said a lot of, I mean, a ton of people have said it. I think one, I think Daniel Jeremiah is part of his point on the nine. He thinks everyone thinks the Niners are going to draft Mac Jones. I think part of what he said was basically a lot of people who know things think they're going to draft Mac Jones, but I don't think he's saying people know that's what they're going to do. It's just people who know things. That's what they're inferring. That's what they're guessing. A lot of people who are plugged in are guessing that we're a month away. I think it's pretty well established. It feels like the Jets are going Zach Wilson. Like I, it'd be hard to make the case that they're doing something different. If they did, it would feel like a curveball. But I don't know, man. It, something's been weird to me about how in like a 36-hour period, everybody agreed with a month until the draft, Mac Jones is the pick. It doesn't feel right. No, I, I'm 100% with you. All right, John, you know the favorite Garth Brooks song I like to quote on this show? Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And, uh, I thought you were going to go thunder rolls. Thunder rolls, lightning strikes, and Kyle Shanahan got an athletic quarterback. The Raiders. Do you remember how mad John Gruden was to even have to attend that coin flip with Reggie McKenzie there. and John Lynch? I was, sta- I was standing there. He was furious. Your, uh, Rod Woodson was there to flip it. And then he lost. He stormed. He was pissed. Because he had, because Kyle wasn't there, right? He didn't have Shanahan for whatever reason wasn't there, but Gruden was. Did not show up. Sent Lynch. Jeremy Fowler says the Raiders have agreed with Colton Miller on a three-year extension worth more than eighteen million a year. Deal includes forty-two point six million guaranteed at signing and goes through twenty twenty-five, uh, including a fifth-year option for an ascending tackle. I have uh, on the screen on YouTube, Vic Tafer's tweet from April 26, 2018. Raiders wanted the tackle. They were going to draft McGlinchey. And when he was gone, they would have taken Miller at 10 if no trade down. Mike Silver just said. So somebody tweeted at me um, after the Colton Miller signing. Isn't it crazy how the conversation has changed from McGlinchey clearly being the better one to Colton Miller being the better one? And it wasn't just that McGlinchey was the better one during the draft. It was after like one year, McGlinchey was the better player. Credit to the Raiders on like they didn't pick Miller over McGlinchey. They just got him, but they developed him because he was kind of, if I'm wrong, like there was some of the. Uh, what's his name? The left tackle that the Dolphins drafted from USC, Jackson. Austin Jackson, yeah. There were some of those vibes. Like, ah, he's, has, he needs to be developed. And they did it. They nailed it. Remember, he hadn't played that much. He'd played a little right tackle, a little left he tackle. Was he was not a guy big... in the Pac-12 that year that everyone was talking about as a top 10 pick. I can tell you that. I, I Honestly, I didn't think he was talked about as a first round pick. This is a little, has some parallels to the quarterback stuff. McGlinchey coming out would have been viewed as a really high floor. And he's a good example of, well, his floor, it felt like last year, fell through the bottom to the, uh, not the attic, but the basement. And right now people are running around him. And when I was texting with Greg Papa, I said, you know why you need to get one of these athletic quarterbacks and not Mac Jones? 
is because McGlinchey's a turnstile and the guy needs to run away from whoever's rushing on the right side. Colton Miller was kind of like a thin, big-time athlete. Like one, the one thing he had is he was really athletic. Well, what have they done? They built up his body, he's gotten stronger, and he's become a really good player. I red flagged this because I don't understand if you're Colton Miller and you're ascending as like, I don't want to say a future star, but one of the stalwarts in the league at left tackle, you were a year away from going into your fifth-year option. You know, Trent Williams, 55. Now, he's a better player, but he's way older. Like, you couldn't sign next year. Now, I get it. You put money in front of people. But, guy, the cap's going up. If, if Colton Miller's their tackle for the next decade, this is one of the best deals in the league. Johnny's the first guy. Field Yates tweeted he's the first guy from the 2018 draft class to sign an extension. Well, because if you're good in that class, I'm not signing an extension this offseason. Well, think about Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Fred Warner. Um, but Fred's Fred's contracts up because those all those guys have fifth year options. Fred does not, so it's like he'll probably sign this offseason. But Fred ain't signing a team friendly deal. I would be shocked if he does. This is where again, remember the Raiders. Derek Carr signed a contract that was pretty good for the team. It was good for him too. Guess who's rich as shit? You see Derek's Derek. birthday party? Uh, you see, no, he turned 30 this weekend. What what happened? On Instagram, it looked like they went to, I don't know, an island that they rented out in like Mexico. Just the car family. It's like the Kardashian like the whole car party. Clan. Yeah, it kind of was. Then all of a sudden, I, I follow his wife. I think Melanie's her name. At the end of the dinner, they had a fireworks show for him. 30. They got a lot of money, guy. <laughs> Big 30. I just think that Colton Miller... As a team for the Raiders, I do this deal all day long. I, I'm shocked that they got him to sign it. Heather, because usually you can wait a year and get a lot more money. Heather Carr, John. Heather Carr. I think Melanie is maybe Dave's wife. Maybe it's his mom. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a Melanie Carr, but okay. you're right. Sounds. Heather is. She was a BJ Country Kitchen. She was uh, when we recruited her. She, when I was working there, and Derek was always helping in recruiting. She was a waitress there, going to Fresno State. I think that's how they met. BJ's Country Kitchen. Wait, BJ's Country Kitchen or, or not BJ's, BJ's Country Kitchen? BJ's the pizza place. Just like with the menu. The place like with the, the menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The place with massive. the menu. Uh, Unreal Pazuki. God, so good. The worst thing they ever did was put all the calorie counts on their menus. Yeah. It's like, guys, I don't need well, to know that this cookie's 1,400 calories. Just, well, I know I'm ordering do, something they, I shouldn't be ordering at 1030 at night. They do the deep dish pizza, which is pretty good. The deep dish pizza, yeah. That's kind of their go-to. I mean, a hot cookie cake with ice cream on top is hard to beat, though. Yeah. Especially the brownie one. That's the problem with recruiting weekends. You just eat so much. (laughs) Players are like, this is how we eat all the time? Yeah. No, you get a card with some money on it. Well, they did a good job feeding Colton Miller, because I remember one thing, the knock on him was like, is he going to be strong enough? Is he too skinny? And clearly, he's just a really good left tackle. He's really, really valuable. Yeah, and and John, on his side of it... um, you know he'll have time to he'll he'll be able to if health is obviously a big part of this conversation he just got himself guaranteed 43 million dollars and he'll have the chance to make to sign another big contract well he's only 25 years old so he two more big contracts maybe if he yeah right i would say playing left tackle i i just think this thing is going to be viewed at like uh the deal Devontae adams is playing at right now it's like 14 million dollars a year it's got to be pound for pound dollar for dollar the best deal in the league one of them non-quarterback 
if this guy is just one of the top five left tackles in the league, like this is just immediately one of the best contracts in the NFL. Right. Because right, right. now it's top five guaranteed money, but he could have gotten top five guaranteed money a year from now when top five guaranteed money was more money. Well, he's just, yeah, because if the cap storms way up, if he's just one Pro Bowl season away, now again, there, there's risk involved in that. Like I, I always say you put the money in front of people, but like Ronnie Stanley had been to one Pro Bowl. It's not like I, it's not like he was like a four-time Pro Bowl or it was a can't miss. Like he had turned in one great season yeah. into what sixty-five million. Like Trent, if Trent was twenty-six, I mean, is that number seventy-five million it's bigger? Right? Yeah. <laughs> the thing, the only thing again, against Trent, he's thirty-two. Ronnie Stanley was the sixth pick. Colton Miller was not like a yeah, second rounder. Made, he's already made money. He, Fifteen. It's just pretty crazy that Colton Miller, I would say, is dramatically better than McGlinchey now. Yeah. Like, I, I think McGlinchey is viewed currently as a liability, which is a problem when he's a tackle. So, like you said, the Raiders, they were, John was extra heated because they wanted the tackle and they knew getting the spot, it was it cost them the tackle. Turns out they And the spectacle back, was just not his style. Yeah. And they, it was viewed at the time like they got the worst player. I mean, the player that was lower on their own board. But it just shows you sometimes like the unanswered prayers thing is true. However we react on draft night, it's like things change, man. They just they just do. Some guys get better. Some guys get worse. Some guys, Colton Miller is a good example of when you take a high ceiling guy and he actually hits it, you feel like you fucking hit a home. Yeah. Right? When you take a low floor guy and then you're like, oh my God, this isn't working out, you feel it's like a double kick. Well, you're like, oh, yeah, but we, you know, he's still, we're still using him on third downs. Like, it's fine. Like, no, it's not fine. (laughs) No, it's It's not fine at all. Yannick and Dockway. It's like, he can't play the run. Like, whatever, he can get me 10 sacks, right? Like, what else can McGlinchey do? Like, Colton Miller is just a way better athlete. I just think you got to be a really good athlete now, probably more than ever. Like, when I moved to Philly, John Runyon had recently retired and he was like, uh, I think he was like a senator running in like Delaware or, or Philadelphia. Or like he just become like a stalwart in the town. And he was always known for like, you know, he was the worst athlete in the league, but he was just a stalwart. Probably of the, did, was he, did he have the most bicep hair of any player in the NFL at the time? Yeah, he was just ugly, smelly. Him and Strahan and Demarcus Ware. Oh, it was just, they, they were just doing dirty shit. And then, oh, yeah. but he just made it because he was like tough. That's McGlinchey's, Arguing with people on Twitter, Colton Miller just blocking guys. Getting paid. I, I like, like McGlinchey. McGlinchey's a cool guy, like a solid guy. I just, if solid guy shouldn't be arguing with like Grant Cohen on Twitter. I'll say one thing about Colton Miller. Like I never hear from him. He just plays. They, I know they love him. Yeah. Clearly. Yep. It's, it's also goes back to your point. You've said this a lot. I think you and I have talked about this with Cole Hamels many years ago. They put Someone just put $43 million in front of him. It's like tomorrow you can, you got $43 million guaranteed to you. You want to wait a year? And I can understand where he goes, you know, I can sign the 43. And then if I end up being, and if I get hurt, I sign the 43, right? Yeah. And if I'm healthy, that's not bad news because I'll be healthy and I'll sign for my next contract. It'll be, fuck, who knows what it'll be. It'll be $80 million by then. You know, you know, the other crazy part is Colton Miller and McGlinchey. McGlinchey's 6'9", and we've stood next to him all of it. Colton Miller's 6'8", and five. Quarter like he's Colton Miller's huge. I remember the I mean, video, the footage of him, and he looked like the tall, skinny guy coming out of college, right? Yeah, because he was three ten, but it was like he's six nine, but he ran a four. He's a really good athlete from Sacramento. Was he like a high school tight end? Was he one of those guys? He had to be. 
because he went, it said, uh, made his first career start in 2015. Miller took over starting tackle from that game. Yeah. I think he was just a project. Oh, did he take over but for I, Connor McDermott, John? Yep. Yeah. Both reading Green the wiki. wiki? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wiki's wiki's useful. I use I mean scouts use wiki. You know, it's not like it's not nothing. I mean they got they got their citations no. at the bottom. Yeah. It's like TMZ. It used to have a negative connotation. Like it's my go-to. It's like, is the news real or is it not real? Yeah. Colton Miller, great player. Yeah. Good move. Good job, Raiders. Good job. Uh, I, I would love to go back and I mean, somewhere. Reggie McKenzie had to fist pump when he saw that extension, right? I think Reggie McKenzie. I notice all the time. It's like, oh, boom! Another one of his players signs an extension somewhere. Oh, Murray Edwards signing with so and so. Like his players aren't just out of the league. Oh, Carl Joseph. Oh, he plays for the Browns. Like it's just his guys are. There aren't just like a bunch of just out of the leagues. Some of the people that we used to make fun of, it's like, oh, this guy plays there. Oh, this guy starts there. Oh, this guy plays there. There are some whiffs, but there are some like, oh, Mario Edwards plays for, I don't even know. I just saw this offseason he signed for like the Jets or the Giants or the Dolphins. Their guy signed. Jihad Ward, is he still in the league? Uh, it, it, here's what I know. If Reggie McKenzie had been a coach, and this is what Phil Savage always told me, and it's so true, coaches always get a second shot. They always do. Yeah, Jihad Ward's on the Jags. And GMs, like Reggie McKenzie's just resume as a GM, Derek Carr, he would 1 million percent, if he was a coach, become another GM, right? If, the, you know, if, a, if, if GMs were coaches, he would get a second shot. Yeah, yeah. Amari, Khalil, Derek, all these players in the league, like, and he won at the Raiders when they haven't won since. Like, Put that, off, put that, that really bad. good offensive line together. Yeah. Drafted Gabe Jackson in the third, signed Rodney Hudson. Honestly, Reggie McKenzie like hit on as many people as Trent Baalke. Now, the one thing Trent Baalke is really good at that I don't know Reggie's forte, Trent Baalke, the one thing I always heard, because you don't get this vibe when you meet him, unreal politician. Unreal. Go, and you could say this, maybe you could also say smart. He goes to like, he becomes friends with owners. He becomes friends with Roger Goodell. He doesn't waste time on middle cuffs. You know, like he ain't befriending every college scout. He befriends, he befriends the heavy hitters. That's why he got a second job. He's the fucking general manager for Urban Meyer. Checks all, that is checks all the boxes. It is, it is a weird... It is a weird marriage. You, do you know what happens more? And I was thinking about this. I don't know why. I th- oh, because I was listening to Urban Meyer and Peter King. Do you know what Peter King does? <laughs> it's kind of a genius move. I mean, we do it with YouTube and the pod. He writes his column... And he has all these quotes. They're from the podcast? The quotes are from the podcast. (laughs) Because I'm listening. I'm like, Peter, I read, you wrote all this. And it's like everything he writes. But when Trent Baalke last year was hired to the Jacksonville Jags staff, he didn't say this. I just thought about this. I bet 1 million percent David Caldwell, the acting GM at the time, did not make the hire. That all of a sudden the owner just goes, yeah, we hired Trent Baalke. He's going to work here with you too. I think that underrated thing that happens in pro sports a lot like when you see like uh the dude travis slank you know the guy that used to be with the warriors yeah. who now runs yep. the the, the Hawks. ran the warriors drafts he their coach kind is of. now nate mcmillan right well they fired lloyd pierce or whatever do you think lloyd pierce hired nate mcmillan or do you think owner slash the gm put nate mcmillan there that one feels like it happens a lot in basketball too right 
How, what it's I'm like you can get the job, do, but we're going to pick one of your assistants. But this happened after the fact. Like he had already been coaching there. You know, and same oh. with Trent Balky. This is one of those like a couple years in, not going great. Insert guy that has already done it that could easily fill the seat. Very uncomfortable. I don't care who you are. This is where I always talk about players, and you and I have lived it. Radio situation. Every job has this. You're dealing with human beings. Like, how do you fake like knowing the guy is essentially coming for your job? It's very weird, weird. but like needing to rely on him for some scout. Well, that's where you just guys end up not getting any responsibility like that happens where somebody's on the staff, but they kind of get frozen out, not frozen out in the sense that people are jerks to them, but they just don't really, you know, you're just kind of careful about what you say around who you say it. The whole the Mark Jackson staff that the Warriors had with Darren Ehrman and Scalabrini. (laughs) Remember that thing? I mean, it's just it gets there's a lot of people on these staffs and it's a lot of opportunity to be the mole if you want to be. Isn't it? Is it true or false that we once had a moment, me, you, and Derek Papa, with a guy that turned out to be a mole, where I said some comments that you one hundred percent would not have said if you knew that the mole was in the room? Absolutely. <laughs> it was one of those after and, the fact. And the other thing was that side studio we used to record interviews in. There was something you weird. always thought was bugged. I thought, yeah, I always had a theory I, that you could hear somewhere else what was being said in that room, even when the microphones were off. That the microphones. We're never actually off. Was like the telephone when you get two cans and put the string, almost like you could hear it in the other room if you really listened? Uh, no, like I thought that you could record on that on the uh, audio computer, on the computer there, even when the microphones were off, there was still sound coming through the microphones. That's scary. So I was thinking about that the other day, all these radio shows where people are on Skype. There's so much shit that gets talked during the commercial break. You turn the mics off and you're talking about the producer that's in a soundproof booth behind you. But now you can't do any of that because everybody's on Skype together. You know, the world's changed. I've had the thought we've been Skyping now for years. Is all of our Skype conversations off the air, logged somewhere? I've had that thought myself. Yeah. Because it's safe to say one million percent it is. Or maybe it gets deleted over time, but it's... Yeah, it might not be as sinister as it sounds, but the odds are good. Yeah, you'd be done. I mean, that would be... A, I'm already done. That would be a... Imagine if that would like, after a year of just everybody's, 90% of people's conversations are over the internet. I mean, they already are... The internet footprint was already big. Whatever data the internet companies had going into 2020 was more than enough. But after 2020, it's on another level. One thing Skype's been around so long, I'm not... I, I would imagine some of the things... Because so many people... We use Skype, not Zoom. Can you imagine some of the intel the Zoom people have on everyone's conversations? Yeah. With people who make off, yeah, off, off meetings. Air quotes. That's why I only have I only talk in like the middle of a field now. Well, that's why Joe Pesci and you know uh, Robert De Niro. That's why you always meet out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You never want to get bugged. Walk the with mob me. couldn't the mob. You know, technology basically ruined the mob. <laughs> Do you know what I never understand? I have this thought a lot because maybe I just watch a lot of mob shows. Is even in modern day shows when they wire someone, they like put the wire. Mm-hmm. It's like, guys, it's 2021. Can't you just put a button on the guy, like one of his shirts? There's James no Bond. chance a wire is still a wire, right? What? What? There, couldn't, there is. Couldn't just be like a quarter? What did or, I watch you know, where like it was a, somebody's button? There was something yeah, I watched. Well, was a wouldn't button. it be the button now or just like a quarter or just your phone? I yeah, don't know. Like the tip of your shoelaces? Yeah, it, it would not be a wire on your stomach. Taped. I'd be fascinated. If we have any law enforcement, shoot us a DM. Is it, what is the wire now? 
I know you don't want to. Get, could it just be like fabric? I mean, you could just put it in the clothes. Yeah, yeah. could be on the glass. I guess they could. I guess they could wand you, right? But you got to have like you can three uh, D print it now. It's not metal. Maybe everything's made out of plastic. I don't know. Yeah. By the way, if anyone's watching this on Skype, if you ever release our shit, we're coming for you. We'll sue for every penny. Yeah. Give us the right to like blackmail. The us problem. It, the problem would be too late. <laughs> All right. On that note, thank you. Uh, adios. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.